0: sounds even better. Welcome to the Child Care Barn Girl Podcast. I'm Jeff Johnson. This is the longest running and most prolific early learning podcast in the interwebs. Prove me wrong. Um, I'm going to you live from Upstairs Studio in the Snuggery along the Gulf of Mexico with me, Nicole Halton in the Australia. How you doing, Nicole? You got a crocodile? You were attacked by a crocodile? Is that what you said? What happened?
1: Um, no, definitely not attacked by a crocodile, but I do have a crocodile story. So this week, where are we? We're just before Christmas while we're recording. So this week, there's been oh, a big cyclone up in far north Queensland. So at the top of our country, there was a cyclone. And then as a result of the cyclone, there was lots of rain. As a result of the rain, there was floods. And so um, the, lots of the rivers and you know things have flooded up in far north Queensland. Now, in far north Queensland, that's where we tend to get our big saltwater crocodiles, there and up in the Northern Territory. Um, And my 10-year-old daughter has a friend who moved to Cairns recently, so she's up in that area, right in the centre of it all. And so they've been messaging each other online back and forth. It's one of the delightful things about online technology, actually, is that they have stayed in touch. And they were messaging each other the other day and Marley says to her, oh, you know, stay safe, hope you're okay. And, you know, she sent back a, a day later. She's like, yep, we're good. But, you know, the river just near our apartment like had flooded and you know we were down there checking it out and there was this baby croc in the water uh, near the water's edge and so she said we picked it up and took it and put it back in the water and I'm like no she didn't Molly's like yeah she did and I'm like well I'm concerned about a 10 year old picking up a baby crocodile because even a baby is can be not great so I'm like "Mm, I'm a bit concerned about that Molly comes in to me this morning with um, her iPad and she'd been messaging with this friend and she said, you know how Bella said that she rescued a baby crocodile? I said, yeah. And she said, well, this is what she actually rescued. And she shows me a photo of her friend holding one of those croc shoes. And that was the croc that she'd rescued. (laughs) She'd rescued a rubber shoe from the water. But she'd kept this joke or this trick going with her friends (laughs) online for a good couple of days. And I'm like, I love kids. I just, love, I just love that sense of humor and you know I, I'm like okay great I can stop panicking that she's out there <laughs> rescuing real, real crocodiles.
0: I would rather handle a legit baby crocodile than touch <laughs> a croc, croc shoe. shoe. Oh. Same. oh they make oh. me they make me cringe. Um,
1: They're worse than flip-flops aren't they?
0: Oh, oh, they're much more. look, I'm, I'm a flip-flop guy now. So, uh, yeah, I've come over to the flip-flop side, but I, you'll never catch me in Crocs. I would rather, (laughs) I would rather wear baby, I would rather wear crocodiles as shoes than, uh, I'd rather. I tell you,
1: if you you wore crocodiles as shoes, you wouldn't need shoes. (laughs)
0: Yeah, 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 that that's true. I'd rather, you know, it, maybe maybe duct tape myself to the uh, backs of a couple a couple juvenile crocs. I think I could get around really fast that way if I could keep my balance. That would be kind of kind of cool. Maybe kind of cool. Yeah, maybe maybe not. Um, so I got a question what? for you. Um, just okay. uh, this is a this is a how well do you know Jeff question. So Ooh,
1: okay.
0: So I recently ordered a doormat. For the snuggery, because uh, all the neighbors have doormats, and I was feeling like you know we're not. I mean,
1: you're just not part we, of it. You need a doormat. Yeah, I
0: feel I feel like we were lacking, but I can't just go buy like a welcome mat because mm-hmm. nobody's welcome. Um, no. You know, so I had one. I had one custom made. Mm-hmm. um hasn't arrived yet um and I'm not going to tell you what's on it because I've still got other people I've got to ask before I do the big reveal hey oh. listeners I'll, I'll post a picture over on uh on uh Playhaven when I when it comes uh what 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 do you imagine I would have put on a doormat
1: oh I feel like it's something like yeah it's something that says that people are not welcome something <laughs> like I don't know. The first thing that came to mind was "fuck off," but I'm like, I feel like it'd be a little more. I it just feel like it'd be a little more engaging than that. Uh, a little more clever. I don't know, but I, I definitely feel it's something that says, "Yeah, no thanks."
0: Um, it's not. It made Tasha go, "Oh!" when I told her about oh, wow. it because, of course, I, of course, I, I ordered it without mentioning it to her at all. Um, but that, that you're the fourth one I've asked and all of you have had basically the same answer. So, um, I I, I like to, I'm glad that I'm putting a consistent vibe out there. It, it's probably (laughs) hard to it's probably hard to draw new listeners to the podcast when I want the whole world to kind of go away. Um, So, so that's, that's a struggle, but look, listeners, there's a, there's a, there's a big difference between the relationship we have here on the podcast and all y'all showing up at my doorstep. Um, So uh, that, that is different. Um, And and it's mostly because I, I don't like being interrupted um, which is which is what I wanted to get into talking about in this this episode. Um, I did a did a post really over Playvolution way. HQ a little a little bit ago about uh, the the play interruption problem because I, I think it really has become a problem of a, of adults way too often, way more than necessary, interrupting children while, while they're at play. We interrupt because we're trying to extend their learning and we're interrupting because we're maybe trying to get some information from them so we can document. And we're interrupting because we're trying to to solve a social situation that we're we're not assuming that they're capable of, and we're interrupting because we feel that to be teachers, we need to be in the middle of things and and on and on and on it goes. and I wanted to get your your thoughts on the topic. So what do you think about play interruptions?
1: So we did, and I'll try not to interrupt um, actually, you while you're talking. okay, not a great start <laughs> <laughs> um. So... We actually, I did a training session on this earlier this year um, as part of, like we do like an online training thing each year. and um, I did a session on that and it was on uninterrupted blocks of time for play. It probably had a more creative title, I can't remember, but that was pretty much the gist of it was the fact that children need long, uninterrupted blocks of time for play. And so, you know, it really encouraged people to look at all the ways that they interrupt children's play. And it's not always the overt interruption that, oh, wait, you know, stop. It's not that. But we interrupt even when we take a photo of a child playing. It's funny, we just recorded an episode about documentation. But, you know, like when we see a child doing something and think, oh, I want to go take a photo of that. And we go over. And even if you don't say anything to them, the mere presence of you and a camera interrupt the majority of children they'll turn you know they might kind of put on a bit of a pose and a lot of children do now that they're you know surrounded by digital cameras all day um so you know there's the overt interruption but and there's those other kind of sneakier ones that just happen as part of our day and and one of the things that I always talk about is in um her book Balanced and Barefoot which I know you've read um Angela Hanscom talks about you know, children needing, you know, her observations of children needing approximately 45 minutes to settle into play. And Mm -hmm. so the idea is that, you know, they need time to, and not all children, some children will settle into play much quicker um, and some children may take longer, but they typically need that kind of time to decide what am I going to play? Who am I playing with? What materials do I need? What are our rules for the play? Who's taking on what role? You know, all those kinds of things that children need to establish and navigate can take time and so if we've got these small windows of time you know we go oh we're outside oh wait an hour's passed okay it's time to go back inside oh wait now we need to stop for a group time if we're if our days are chunked up into these little you know one hour blocks of indoors then outdoors then group times then lunch then you know another group time then another they're never ever getting to settle into that play which is why we then see children you know, and we see a lot of what people would term challenging behavior because children aren't settled into their play. They've not got that, you know, level of involvement that Farrah Lavers talks about and, you know, the well and wellbeing and involvement scales, you know, they're not at that high level of involvement because they haven't had time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, you, you look, I would be, I would be overjoyed if kids were getting a whole hour of, of time without a transition because I've been this this uh, deep dive into program handbooks that I've been doing. I've seen many, many mm-hmm. programs where there's a transition every, every 25 minutes. Um, and if it takes 45 minutes to settle into play, mm-hmm. And you get 25 minutes. And then during that 25 minutes, somebody's coming over and taking a picture, and somebody's coming over to tell you to share, and somebody's coming over to tell you to use your inside voice. It's really hard to get anything done when you're yeah. a busy four year old.
1: Well, and you think even yourself as an adult, like I know, you know, for me, I do a lot of writing. If I sit down to write, knowing I've only got 15 minutes to write, I find it really hard. You know, I find it really difficult because I'm constantly thinking, oh, there's something else that's going to happen next. I've got to go somewhere else or I've got a meeting or I've got, you know, like there's something else in my calendar. Whereas if I've got, you know, a three-hour block of time in my calendar, I can just sit and just get into it and i'll get into it quickly and i'll you know i might not use the whole three hours but i know i know i'm not pressured for the next thing and i think it's the same for children you know even maybe not our infants but as children get that little bit older they start to know oh something else is about to happen you know there's always sure. something else about to happen and so they're not going to settle into play because they're constantly waiting for the interruption
0: yeah yeah they they start anticipating that it's coming. Ooh. They know it, they know it's going to come because it always comes. Yeah. And so so why even start going deep in this thing I'm interested in because I know I'm going to get I'm going to get pulled out of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And since I've been I've been thinking about this for the last week or so, I've been I've been trying to try to pay attention to how much interrupting I do and um because look, Tasha will be doing something. She'll be, bo- she'll be, she'll be, be sitting, reading her Kindle or she'll, she'll be working on a sewing project or, or anything like that. And I have a thought or an opinion, or I, I see something interesting in the news. And my first plot is, Oh, I got to tell Tasha. And then I, I've been catching myself <laughs> because I'm, I'm like a three-year-old who needs, needs attention. And, um, if, it, if it's hard for us as adults not to interrupt other adults, I think it's even more difficult for us not to interrupt children because children are children and they're not adults and we're the adults. And so, they're of course, quiet. what's on our mind is more important. And so I think yeah. we're kind of wired with this, this bias towards thinking interrupting kids is okay, which is something that's kind of hard to break. Yeah.
1: And I think I find it I catch myself doing it with my own kids sometimes.
0: Yeah, because you're the mom and you got things to say. Oh. Are we still there? Hold on. Uh, oh, uh oh, oh. Apparently. Oh you're... no, I think I'm back. Okay. I think you're back. <laughs> We're having a little bit of a length. <laughs> it's leg.
1: raining here. I don't know yeah. if it's making the internet connection a bit weird. <laughs>
0: listeners the internet connection is a little bit weird you know it's only half the world away so of course the internet's a little bit moist um yeah yeah so you you've got your kids and i'm you so you sit down to do some writing um i'm sure you don't are you ever able to do that during prime the kids are awake time
1: uh it's getting easier as they're getting older but it's still not always easy but it's funny i find like i get a bit irritated when they interrupt me so if I'm working or you know especially at the moment at school holidays I'm working from home a bit and you know and my built-in babysitters my the grandparents are overseas so that's not real helpful but I find I get a bit like that internal irritation like oh someone interrupted me again asking for food or you know something to happen and um but I do it to them you know like i we'll go and ask them to do something or, you know, did you feed the dog this morning or, you know, and look, that's important. It's important to know that they fed the dog, but there is, I, I don't seem to find it as big an interruption. If I stop and think about it, I do, but yeah, just that initial instinct is it's okay for me to interrupt them. And I think that's what happens in early childhood settings is that we just think it's okay for me to interrupt because what I have to say or what we're going to do next is important.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it knowing knowing where that line is, where when it's when it's acceptable to step in is is kind of challenging. And I think we I think we've talked about this before. I think the the measure should be some sort of is my interruption better than doing nothing? Does it does it does it add something that's better than nothing? um and i think in most situations the the response to that is is probably no because whatever yeah. they're doing is probably more important learning wise and devel- de- developmental wise than than what i have to offer i mean as great as i am even what they're doing is probably more important than what i have to offer
1: and typically, if they need your input or they need your contribution or whatever, they'll speak it out. You know, like sure. if it, that they're having difficulty, you know, navigating who's taking on what role in the play and they can't quite work it out, they'll come to you. If they need more buckets in the sandpit because there's not enough for what they're doing, they'll come to you. It's, yeah. you know... And I mean, we can still anticipate that, you know, I could be observing what's happening with a group of children, but rather than going, oh, I can see you need more buckets. Let me go and get you more buckets. I could just go and get a couple of buckets and add them to the sand pit. So they're there if they need them. You know, it's that being responsive rather than intrusive.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that's okay. So there's a couple of great things there. Um, one is that, you know, if you're trying not to interrupt a, a lot of people I've talked to about this wonder, well, then what then what do I do to myself? Because if I'm not it, with myself, if i'm if I'm not interrupting, if I'm not there, then I'm not teaching. And so what's my what's my job then and and the job really is is stepping back and becoming more more observant of the environment and, and instead of, Instead of managing the kids, we pay attention to the environment and then we, we get the shovels or the buckets or the more green paint or, or whatever it is to, to keep things flowing. We become just kind of the, the caretakers of the environment is, is, is a big hunk of it. And, and then trusting the kids to, to know what they need to be doing because, They learn to solve problems and resolve things by practicing solving problems and resolving things. And and then I think to make this work, one of the big things we do that you touched on is is create that environment where they they know it's okay to come and ask for assistance. Because in environments where we're always jumping in they just anticipate we're anticipate we're going to be there and fixing things all the time and if you start making this shift you've got to bring the kids along with you and and start start helping them understand that hey if you need something let me know yeah i'm going to i'm going to be over there and yeah. because that that shift might be a little bit confusing for them at first if you if you back off yeah
1: and i think it is it's a really fine line for people you know i think a lot of educators find it hard because they do feel like to be seen as I'm doing my job, I should be involved, you know, I should be right down there in with what's happening, I should be playing with the children, when actually you can be very doing your job, stepped back, you know, like just there's a difference to between stepping back and being disinterested and just kind of supervising and being that warm body that you often talk about, you know, like yeah. there's a difference between that and stepping back but still being connected to what's happening in the space and still being available to children. And you know, that you're still present. And I think it's, it's hard for people sometimes to find what that should look and feel like. They've got this very preconceived idea of what it means to be a teacher and that's doing and teaching and getting involved and imparting my wisdom. Yeah. And actually, no, you know, like that's not necessarily what's required of you.
0: Yeah, 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 and I mean that that making that shift mentally is is kind of a challenging, challenging thing to thing to do. Um, so I've been I've been wondering about when is it okay to interrupt, and uh, buildings some fire. Well, yeah, I I can only think of two. <laughs> I can only think of two two real legitimate reasons. One is legitimate health and safety concerns. Yeah. The building's on fire, there's a bone sticking out, um, those yeah. kind of <laughs> things. And and then interpersonal squabbles that kids can't manage for themselves. And that doesn't mean we jump in preventively when we see, t- see ki- two kids having a, a interpersonal issue. That means we wait until it's obvious that they're not going to be able to sort it out themselves and need some sort of adult intervention to keep everybody um uh, uh, well, I guess that goes back to the first one, healthy and safe, because when it, when it looks like those interpersonal yeah. situations are going to turn violent, maybe that's when we step in. So, I mean, maybe it's just that one yeah. health and safety concerns. I don't know. What do you think?
1: Yeah. And, and I think, I think those, two, well, I think those two are fairly spot on. And I think when we step in, when we can see children, are, you know, having trouble navigating, you know, their, whatever that is, that kind of relational stuff, even when we step in it's not to take over it's not to tell them how to fix it or what to do or who's right or who's wrong or you know it, it's still just to be a support and a guide and to help them work through it together it's giving some strategies not like we're still not stepping in to take over you know we're not interrupting just to take over and say right you're going to go over here and you're going to go and do that it's Wow, what's going on? You know, let's talk about what's happening. So I think you're still interrupting, but you're interrupting with a bit of a different intention too.
0: Sure, trying trying to interrupt as as little as possible and as much as necessary. Yeah. And and when you do interrupt, to make it as as, as minimal an interruption as possible, to to leave them with as much power and control over the situation. Yeah as as they are they're developmentally and emotionally ready to manage at that moment
1: Yeah. yeah 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 I think that's it and I think you know probably one of the other big things for me with interruption is really looking at so you know we sort of talked about looking at ourselves and our role as not interrupting but also looking at the the kind of structures we put in place so the way we set up our environment the way we organize our program or you know have a schedule or whatever and we sort of touched on it before but you know I know when um when I was working in a long daycare service we shuffled it around so that instead of having indoor time and outdoor time we had the choice where between pretty much the hours of about Oh, eight o'clock in the morning to five o'clock in the afternoon you could be indoors or you could be outdoors now there's always going to be some exceptions you've got some extreme weather you know for, here for us it's not usually the cold that's a problem it's the heat um, so you might have some extreme weather days where that might be impacted but for the vast majority of time children had the choice to flow between either indoors or outdoors and what that does is it eliminates a huge amount of transitions. We also then went okay great let's have flexible meal times. So we had a window of, you know, kind of 2 hours where children could have their morning tea and then another window of a, you know, hour and a half where children could have lunch and you know it was very flexible and flowy and it does mean that as an educator maybe the maybe what you lose in interrupt in the time spent interrupting children you talked about what you do instead maybe some of that is that you're actually monitoring some of the things like if for example we know that you know all the children need to have lunch but they've got a big you know hour and a half window with with, in which they can have it well then that's going to be the responsibility of me as an educator is to make sure everyone actually does have lunch but to Mm -hmm. also be tuned into seeing those kind of that ebb and flow in their play and kind of capitalising on a moment where you see that they've kind of finished what they're doing and you might say to them, oh, I've noticed you finished that. Do you want to have some lunch now? You haven't had yours yet or whatever. Like, so you might, and and that's not interrupting them because you're, you're tuned into what they're doing and you've noticed that they've had a break in play and it might be a good time to, for them to come and have lunch. So, I don't know, I just think thinking about you know, the way we structure our days makes such a massive difference, mm-hmm. and where children can play, and you know, removing things like compulsory. I know I think it's called circle time over there, but for us, compulsory mm-hmm. group time, you know, like instead of saying that at 10 o'clock, everybody needs to come and read a story, during which time I'll spend most of that saying, Can you please stop picking your nose? Can you stop pushing that child? Can you stop grabbing the puzzles off there? You're going to have to come and sit near me. Shh, everybody stop. You know, we need to listen, blah, blah turns into an excruciating experience because half the children want to be just somewhere else doing something else that they were already doing so make that optional you know make it optional children are still going to get opportunities to engage with story and with music and whatever you just include that in your day
0: yeah and and when we're step when, when they're off doing their thing and we're step back of observing we it we can see those pauses in play where somebody's got to run in and get a Kleenex to get that booger out of their nose they've been digging at f- for the last 20 minutes or to go to the bathroom or or just because they're done with one thing and in the process of moving on to the yeah. next thing we're able to observe those and then those become those moments for for engagement if we have if instead of interrupting with a yeah. question, while they're building a block tower and distracting them from their building, waiting until there's that one of those pauses to say, "Hey, I saw you building such and such and I was wondering, blah blah blah. and of course not questions we know the answers to already, but things yeah. we're really curious about. um are you hungry? do what were you building? Can you tell me a little bit about that? Do you want to tell me anything about that? Oh, you don't okay because you're you're busy. okay, oh, yeah. that's cool too. <laughs> And then we, and then we move on with it. It's, it's, it's really much more respectful of their, their time and their abilities when we, when we stop interrupting so much. Absolutely. So now another question Um, is the reason we are both introverts because we don't like being interrupted.
1: Maybe, maybe, I don't know. i yeah, I think extroverts probably don't mind interruption quite as much. And so that would probably be an interesting thing to consider with children. There's going to be some children who don't mind being interrupted. And likewise, they're probably the ones that come and interrupt you all the time. <laughs> you know, like I think some of it possibly is impacted by our personality or our temperament or, you know, like I, I think there's probably an element to that. I mean, I'm an introvert and I just prefer communication on my own terms. It's like when my phone rings and I'm like, Ugh, who "Oh, oh yeah!" Why? It's one of the why one of the, the worst interruptions ringing? in
0: the world. <laughs> yes. Yeah, why, and that's why, why. <laughs> that's why everybody assumes I would have an unwelcome mat because <laughs> yes. because, because I don't want to be interrupted. And 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 um, look, I I I think part of that's part of the reason I I am more introverted because I get things I want to do and ways I want to spend my time and everybody else seems to be an interruption and too much of that is probably not healthy. Uh, but yeah, it's also limiting those interruptions in your life is also a way you accomplish things. So finding that balance is. is, is kind of hard.
1: Yeah. And that's it. I, you know, I say it sometimes at work. I'm like, I'm shutting the door I need to focus on getting this thing finished. And, you know, even if people and often people will come to interrupt and not, you know, not ill-intentioned. It's because something's important to them. And it's like, okay, cool, it's important to you. That might not be important to me right this minute. Sometimes it is. And so we'll say if it's really important, like as in you can't fix this yourself and you need me to fix it and it's got to happen right now, then fine. But other than that, it's like I don't want to be interrupted by, you know, Oh, do you know where a new roll of paper towel is for the office it's like uh, no like I'm sure you can work that out or you can ask somebody else or you can do something so you know we kind of have become really good at setting that boundary because otherwise yeah. you just don't get anything achieved you know and yeah it, it's funny we actually use a online messaging platform slack um within our team and because a lot of our team work remotely as well works really well it means that People don't typically ring each other. We just send a Slack message and you'll respond when you get it and you can turn your notifications off, you know, or you can pause your notifications while you do something else. So you can just pause them, do something for an hour and then go back and check the notifications and go, okay, I've got a couple of messages to respond to. So it limits some of those interruptions, which as an introvert, I love.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um I think related to that there there are a lot of adults that fret and worry that kids today don't have attention spans more than 30 seconds and it's really hard to have an attention span longer than 30 seconds if you're always getting interrupted every 29 seconds and so by by yeah. giving kids bigger blocks of time when with their when they're not being interrupted, it helps them helps them hone their ability to stay focused on things for for longer periods of time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know if you've read the book Stolen Focus. I think it came out last year. Um, It's a really good book. Um, But it's by Johan Hari. And it's all about how as a generation we've become, you know, we often say i can't concentrate or i can't focus people are you know watching something on netflix while also texting on their phone and also doing something else at the same time and you know that whole lack of attention thing and um you know a, a lot of what he talks about is digital related you know it's the impact that digital technologies had on our attention but you know there's a lot of brain development stuff in there as well but you know i often think about that when we're given the opportunity to practice it and to actually have that time our attention is great you know it's yeah. like it's when you're not given the opportunity that you find it hard And you might initially find it hard if you haven't had it for a while you know so for children if you've had a program where children are you know every half an hour transitioning to something else or you know being interrupted for lunch or for group time or whatever when you don't do that there will be some children who may find that difficult at first But after a period of time, and it probably won't be a long period of time, they'll get there, you know, and they'll get much more involved in their play.
0: Yeah, it becomes a new normal for them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's wrap it up. Any final thoughts? Are we good?
1: No, that is all. We're good.
0: Hey, listeners, this has been the Child Care Bar and Grill podcast, the world's longest running and most prolific early learning podcast. That'll be back in a couple more days to interrupt you with another episode. Thanks for listening. Back soon. Bye-bye. Bye. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production.
1: Oh.